Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Zach trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. No Carter Rodriguez on today's podcast. He's ducking out once again. And when there's no Carter, there's no YouTube, because I have no idea how to do that. We'll be back on YouTube next week. But joining me today, I do have a very special guest. But before I introduce him, support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects, and connecting with me now via Zoom. He covers the NBA for basketballnews.com. He covers the Brooklyn Nets for Nets Daily, and he is the host of the Clear Out podcast, returning to the Chase Down, friend of the podcast, Matt Brooks. Brooksy, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Quite the fun game we had yesterday afternoon. Uh, I like that time slot. I I go back and forth depending on the quality of the game, but yesterday was nice. It was a cold day out in New York, so it was a good day to sit and sit inside and watch the Nets lose. <laughs> it, it looked like a cold one for Cleveland, too. I, I was watching videos of people snow snowmobiling downtown. Uh, that looked like a lot of fun. Uh, whatever the hell hit Cleveland hit uh, Winnipeg today. So uh, I've had to get my wife unstuck from the parking lot and whatnot. So, you know, it's that time of year. Things get a little bit weird, just like they've got a little bit weird for the NBA. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, Matt, if I'm being honest. The matchups against Brooklyn, I I was looking forward to so much. And it's disappointing that as a result of COVID injuries and whatnot, we never really got to see these two teams go head to head in the regular season. We didn't get to see Evan Mobley versus Kevin Durant. uh, But we did manage, even though uh, in every game, all all three games, there, there was players out. All of them have managed to be pretty entertaining. And this was no exception at all. Yeah, um, just a really fun stylistic clash. I thought, you know, again, because you don't have KD, which is a drag, and then you don't have Rubio, you don't have Colin Sexton, which I think you almost, we need to get that at some point. We need to get Colin Sexton (laughs) versus the big three at some point in our lives just to run that back. 
Um, but yesterday was fun because the Nets, you know, they leaned into what their identity is without Kevin Durant, which is smaller. They can go double big, but it's not great. They had some minutes with Dayron Sharp, who's, who's their rookie out of North Carolina, sharing the floor with Blake Griffin. Those minutes are okay for the most part. They went with Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, and Patty Mills kind of as their, their I guess, backcourt. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to watch that versus what the Cavs have obviously been rolling out the entire year. It was a fun stylistic clash. Yeah, and, and the Cavs and Nets do play once again uh, last game of the season, or was going to be the last game, but it looks like there's uh, the Milwaukee game that was rescheduled for the Cavs. Uh, or at least a a date that's to be determined. So we'll see. Probably not uh, going to see a lot of guys out in those games because the Nets and Cavs might actually be teams that are are resting and getting ready for the playoffs rather than competing to make it. Um, What stood out to you now now that you have seen the Cavs uh, against the Nets three different times? What kind of has surprised you the most when you, you look at the Cavs this season? Um, the, the thing that I noticed is like, you watch these two teams play and one of them is really, really good at making use of all their players and, you know, (laughs) using things. So I put a clip up like a couple, maybe like 30 minutes ago, uh, of a play that the Cavs ran. And it was, it was really simple. They ran a pick and roll on one side. I believe it was Jared Allen and, and, uh, Darius Garland. And then on the other side of the floor, uh, they had one of their guards. It could have been. Uh, Dylan Windler set a, a back screen or a screen for uh, I believe it was Evan Mobley mm-hmm. and he just went straight to the rim and the net switched that action what happened there was then you all of a sudden you have Cam Thomas who's their six three six four rookie guarding a seven footer and it's an easy <laughs> lob up top so the Cavs have got this attention to detail they know their personnel they're making the most of it and then you watch the Nets they're at their best when they're spaced out, but when they have their double big units or even just lineups with multiple shooter or multiple non-shooters, um, that's where you see some difficulties. They don't use them as well together. So for me, as somebody who has had some, I guess, some issues here and there with the Nets process, with the roster that they have, mm-hmm. watching the way that Cleveland uses there and makes their best use of everyone is just like a huge testament to what Bickerstaff has done this year. And it's really surprising. Like that that's one of the things that's stood out to me for the Cavs is just the level of consistency. Because you don't associate that with teams this young, right? Like you you expect brain farts eh? and games where you know they they're feeling a little confident, they've got the longest winning streak in the NBA, and maybe they take their foot off the gas. And and that just hasn't been the case. And uh it's definitely been one of the bigger surprises for me. But the thing that jumped out to me watching Brooklyn is even with Kevin Durant out, even with Joe Harris out, even with Claxton out, that is still such a potent team. Like you put Kyrie Irving and James Harden together and the things that those guys can do playing off of one another and individually, it's astounding. Like it's, it's the reason why, even though I, I don't, I'm not fully bought in on the nets coming out of the Eastern conference this year, just because they have played so few games together. Like I, I, I saw a stat or I heard a stat that of the hundred possible games that they could have played together, they've only played 10 so far. I, I, I don't know if that's correct or not, but um, it, it's just, even though you have questions about availability and health and obviously Kyrie, what games he's going to be able to play. It's just so much offensive talent that, you feel like they, they, there's still a decent enough chance that they can overcome that. Uh, do you kind of echo that sentiment? 
Yeah, I mean, like having Kyrie back, you just like the spacing is just night and day. Uh, I, I wish I could explain it to everybody that, you know, <laughs> that probably hasn't been watching all these games against, you know, I don't know, the the, the dog days that we, hey, that we hey, had we, for the first we, month. We, we saw Kyrie after the 2015 finals. Uh, he he yep. missed the first stretch of the season, and then he came back. I mean, Cavs fans are, are very aware of what it looks like when you get Kyrie Irving back into the lineup. And my God, like that, that was a hell of a performance by him. Like he was oh. really, really good. Yeah, he was exceptional. Like they, he just, you know, he's getting to the rim, which was like the big thing that I was watching for the first couple of games. Um, and he's just picking his spots well. He's such a good off-ball player, and that was like just a really good reminder of that. They they just have so much more flexibility with what they run. Um, you know, in terms of like the sets that they've been running this year, they just function so much better with that guy because he's just such. A freaking good shooter. He's so good. <laughs> if you run him off the line, it's going to be a two dribble pull up mid range shot. It's insane. He's just he's incredible. Well, that, that was one of the surprising things for me watching down the stretch. And I didn't necessarily recognize this in real time. But when I rewatched the game after LaMarcus Aldridge got his and one uh, with eight minutes and 16 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, the next field goal that the Nets made was Kyrie with 53 seconds to go when he had that kind of driving layup. Uh, of course, there was a couple uh, James Harden insurance fraud plays mixed in there. Uh, you know, when when you got some refs out with COVID, they, they don't know the, the new uh, kind of points of emphasis and whatnot. I'm going to attribute it to that. But uh, what did you make of kind of the Cavs defensive effort in the fourth quarter? Because that has been a consistent theme uh, along this five game winning streak is they've kind of hung around with teams, hung around with teams. And then in the fourth quarter, you see this other gear come from them uh, defensively. Did, did you think some of it uh, do you mostly attribute it to the Cavs defense or maybe some kind of lack of familiarity with the Nets and having so many pieces out? No, I thought I thought it was a defensive effort. Like they just played Kyrie really tightly and they you know, what they did was essentially play the Nets into playing iso ball um, mm -hmm. and just playing in, you know, really just I mean, it, there's no better way to describe it. They just played up in like they were they were just up in their jerseys. Um, you know, Okoro, I thought had some really good reps against Kyrie late, uh, uh just having Mobley there on the back line is just like, I, he's just, he's so good. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's that, so that's, good. that's the thing, right? Because I, I, having watched Kyrie, like there, there's a few kind of guys that stood out over the years that really defended him. Well, Clay Thompson did a terrific job in the finals, even though he made a lot of those shots. And I actually feel like uh, yesterday's game was similar to that, where Isaac mm -hmm. Okoro was playing really good defense on him. And sometimes he just hits those shots. Um, he, he shot 67% uh, from the floor with Okoro off the court and 47% with him on. So mm -hmm. Okoro is holding him to 47% shooting, which is still really good uh, by today's standards. But um, like Okoro, Avery Johnson, or not Avery Johnson, Avery Bradley, uh, Clay Thompson, I think that's where I got mixed up there. Like those kind of stand out as some of the better defenders for Kyrie. But to have Evan Mobley behind Isaac Okoro, to have Jared Allen behind, even Laurie Markin, and I, I thought he did a very good job on James Harden at times. Um, yes. It was just a really, really complete defensive effort. And it just kind of, like, even though they are so young and you don't attribute defense to young teams, you can tell, like, just the the length, the personnel, the understanding of where they need to be. It, it's evident on a game-to-game -game basis of why they are such a good defensive team and why this has been sustainable throughout the year. 
Can we stop on one thing? Cause you made a really interesting point about how they put Markin in on James Harden. I thought that was a really interesting reflection of where James Harden has been this year. And mm. like Harden got him a couple of times. He got him on fouls. He drew, uh, he blew by him. I think at least once, maybe twice. Yeah. But I think the idea is like, this guy's not creating as much separation as, as he used to. So even that tracks back to last year, this year, I think you notice it quite a bit. So if you can put a guy that's going to be able to absorb the hardened bumps and blows as he drives to the rim, you can kind of live with that. And I thought it was just, I hadn't seen anybody do that. Usually you see, you know, even if it's a guy that's six, seven Harden can move that guy. If mm-hmm. you put like a really tall dude on Harden and he kind of absorb what uh, Harden, the bumps and blows that he, I guess, gives out in the lane, uh, you can kind of get away with it. I thought it was a really interesting strategy. I wonder if we're going to see it again by other teams. Cause it is, it's a copycat league. So I, again, another thing, the Bickerstaff, I just was so impressed by it, by everything that he's done yesterday. It is a copycat league, but at the same time, most teams don't have three seven footers that they can put out at the same time. Yeah. Like, Lori Markin and playing at the three is uh, something that I didn't see working coming into the year. Like I, I thought maybe in spurts it could work. And in theory, it made sense because they just really needed that spacing at the small forward position. But the fact that he can kind of stay in front of some guys and if they do blow by him, you have that help behind you. Right. Because I, I think that's the biggest thing about having someone like Lowry and out there is you worry that a a guard or a mobile small forward can kind of blow by him. But when you have Jared Allen and you have Evan Mobley, uh, it it certainly does make that uh, a little more tenable. Uh, But I I did think that he did a really good job individually. But one of the things that also kind of jumped out and was evident to me, we had you on a a year ago after the Jared Allen trade. And there's so many kind of fun storylines between these two teams now because you do have Kyrie playing for the Nets you have Jared Allen now um probably going to be an all-star in your opinion let's start there do you you think that Jared Allen is going to be or deserves to be an all-star this year I will be furious if he isn't an all-star I will be I will go to the NBA offices (laughs) I will protest I'll do whatever needs to happen And you told us when when the trade went down, you told us that this is going to be a guy that uh, Cavs fans were going to fall in love with. And I mean, locking him up for five years and then him taking the leap uh, right after and the chemistry he has with Jarius Garland is obviously off the charts. Uh, The fit with Evan Mobley, like how has the experience been for you watching Jared Allen kind of blossom uh, with another team? Uh, awesome. I mean, I love Jarrett. So, and I, I just, I knew he wasn't going to be one of those people where he gets a contract and you like immediately see him, um, regress. Like it just, that's not who he is. I don't Mm -hmm. think so. Uh, but in terms of like watching him this year, I gotta be honest, it's surprising. Like seeing him (laughs) put together like multifaceted post moves and floaters and I just look, I, I thought what was going to happen for him eventually is he was going to solidify those baby hooks and that's going to be what he was but for him to add what he's added to his bag is pretty ridiculous um Mm -hmm. and and he's continued to to um you know just be a really strong defensive force i like that he's starting to switch a lot more um that was something that happened a little bit in brooklyn and some people loved it other people didn't i was Mm -hmm. somebody that was really high on it so I'm, i'm happy to see that that's something that's translated um and actually ascended what i i thought was going to happen this early for him in this uh, point in his career so yeah um I just you know he's I knew he was going to be good I just he's he's exceeded a lot for me this year to be truthful 
Yeah, and it's funny because obviously you guys aren't going to regret that trade because you got James Harden in it. And like it's Hopefully. very, very obvious. <laughs> he's he's pretty he's pretty damn good at basketball. Like it's one of those situations where it's it's hard. Like I I often find like when the Cavs trade someone away, I want to see them do well. Like I I, I want to see Kevin Porter Jr. kind of overcome some of the things that he's gone through on and off the court and, and find some consistency. I like seeing Jordan Clarkson do well in Utah. I, I enjoyed seeing Kyrie play well, and it was so cool to see him go head to head with Darius Garland. And it was like in some ways too, like the, the Kyrie trade got so judged based off like the immediate return, but you kind of look at the dominoes there and like Jared Allen w- was essentially a part of it where they traded George Hill, uh, for, uh, you know, John Henson, that first round pick that they flipped for Jared Allen, uh, Laurie Markinen, um, obviously is part of it, uh, with Larry Nance, um, like it, it, Dylan Windler is part of that trade. Like there, there's so many domino effects there and, and it's funny to just kind of see the the way that over time what a trade return is can just kind of transform and uh it's did, did you kind of feel the, the the same way like when i'm watching Kyrie and I, I feel good watching him in another situation is it a similar thing with alan or with claxton out where you kind of like oh my god like i i would love to see this guy playing alongside our, our big three uh i mean i don't you know i'm not like I'm just happy that he's like getting the opportunity to, to, you know, fully be himself. I think that's kind of how I feel a lot Mm -hmm. uh, about when guys move on and they take that next leap. Um, So I I think in that way, I'm just happy for him. I also just, he's just a great person. Like it just, it he's the best, like, and that on it. And, you know, obviously you don't want to let that shroud your judgment too much, but it, for me, I'm like, I just am happy. He looks like he's having fun and uh, playing hard, improving. Like these are the things that, you felt like we're going to happen at the very end of his tenure in Brooklyn, that, that mm. last little spurt right before he got traded, he had some really big games. I think he outplayed Rudy Gobert, uh, which had never happened at any point in his career at Brooklyn. It was that last like month. I think he did that. And he just started putting up these like near 2020 games and um, you could kind of feel it. So I think for me, I'm really happy to see that he's continued that and actually grown way beyond what he was even doing then. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the Nets, so last year and over the past couple seasons, sometimes we would have a guest on that covers a contender. And it's like, okay, you know, a nice little change of pace. Like, let's talk about the top of the conference and uh, kind of how the Cavs, like, might be able to emulate them and whatnot. Obviously, the Cavs aren't going to be able to emulate the Nets team building. Everyone goes about it a different way. Um, But now the Cavs are all of a sudden in this conversation where it looks like they're going to be a team that can compete for home court in the Eastern Conference. And I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts on where things are at with the Nets because obviously Kevin Durant missing some time here is super disappointing. Uh, I'm happy that it's not as serious as it could have been. Uh, That that was a scary injury when it happened and maybe some time off might benefit him. But uh, what level of confidence do you have kind of moving forward this season when it comes to the Nets, the availability of the players and the roster as currently constructed? Uh, My grade right now is incomplete for sure. Like we just haven't seen the big three plus Joe Harris plus Patty Mills. It just, it hasn't, it hasn't. And I feel like I'm cheating a little bit, Uh, but I I haven't gotten a feel for what the full group looks like. You saw it a little bit against Chicago the other night uh, where they beat them by what, like 30, 40 points. I mean, (laughs) Which Chicago, start, Chicago starting to spiral. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll get into them. We'll get into them shortly. I've, <laughs> I've, I've got some questions for you. Don't you worry. Um, so that kind of kickstarted a rough week for them. But that's kind of that was the, the blueprint, I think, in a lot of ways. 
Um, but I, I think in terms of how their roster looks this year, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I probably like last year's roster a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. They've leaned into this identity of being this, like, we're going to grind it out, you know, be a defensive team. Uh, and I think a lot of that is spearheaded by last year's series against Milwaukee, where Milwaukee kind of won in every single of the gritty categories, you know, um, rebounds, um, I guess, fouls drawn. Uh, so so no consideration of like chopping off a big toe for KD. That's, no. that's not that. <laughs> that wasn't the game plan. No, I mean, it, so it was weird because they and it, that's kind of what it feels like. They built this roster weirdly for that series. Um, and it's been okay. I think they've gotten a little bit away from what their identity was last year that made them so lethal. That said, we still haven't seen that full group. Um, and I think that full group is going to be devastating where they go really depends on the availability of your play of their players. As you mentioned, whether Mm -hmm. that relates to injury or just straight up being able to play in home games, um, that's going to be a big thing for them. So, uh, if we get an answer on that, I, I can definitely feel a little bit better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, that, that that's the the one big unknown that <laughs> I have no idea. Would would you rather actually hang on? Let's go there. Would you rather uh, the Nets kind of fall a little bit in the standings right now, assuming that Kyrie can only play on the road? Would you rather like have a road path to the NBA Finals where uh, you don't have home court advantage, but you at least have Kyrie four out of seven games? So the Nets, they shot it down. I don't know if it was KD or, or Steve Nash shot it down in the presser the other day. And I'll sit there. But would like, you? But would you? Okay. <laughs> but think about it. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because um, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I'll tell I you this much. It. If the Cavs jump up to like the two or three seed and they have to play the Nets in the first round, I'm going to be livid. I'm going to be absolutely livid if that occurred. Uh, but I, I am interested to hear your answer. Uh, yeah, so I, I would think about it for sure. Um, it's, it's a really weird thing to think about, but they might actually naturally fall a little bit just without Mm. KD. Uh, he's just been such a security blanket for them this year. And like this, they have a big road trip. I think uh, it's 11 of their next 17 or or something along those lines, uh, of their games are on the road, which obviously means you get Kyrie and which is helpful. So this is going to be a good opportunity for them to kind of learn who they are and work out the kinks without that security blanket of KD. Uh, but it's, it's a big thing that's hanging over them. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it'll be an interesting stretch. We'll see a, if they can you know figure out certain things about themselves and B, if they drop down the standings at all doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think they'd ever drop down the standings like intentionally, but you know, just product of the, of the season, missing Kyrie, some of these games and, KDE, I, I, I would imagine that they take a cautious approach because, I mean, in reality, the most important thing is that he's healthy for the playoffs. If he's healthy for the playoffs, Kevin Durant gives you a chance in every single series because he is probably, I, I mean, if you don't want to call him the best player in the league, you, you can't bump him lower than top three. Uh, he, he certainly has a, a case uh, for best player in the NBA right now. But do you think that uh, you, you talked about the Nets roster construction do you kind of foresee them staying put for the most part at the trade deadline and being players in the buyout market again? Or could you see a little bit of a shakeup if the front office is questioning the way that the, the roster has been constructed to this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, the big problem with them in terms of trades is like, what do this? I, I, I hate putting it this way, but what do the Nets have that is going to like accrue a lot of value in the trade market. Like it's like Bruce Brown, Javon Carter, Paul Millsap, who's like barely a part of the team. Um, I guess Joe Nicol- Harris. 
I don't think they're going to move Joe. I think I, I think I, they need I him. I don't see that either. Like I, so I've seen some reports of that. It would be Claxton, that. probably. That's probably their best asset. And then he's a guy that barely makes any money. So you're pairing him with a couple of guys making just sort of like a poo-poo platter of like one guy that teams might be interested in and then a bunch of other just dudes, essentially. Or you're trading him for another guy that makes like near – uh, rookie level or a rookie level deal. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it, they're in a tricky spot. I think the big thing that they'll probably do is try to move certain guys and clear roster space and then mm-hmm. try to see what they can do on the buyout market, which we'll see where that goes. I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense uh, as much uncertainty as there is with the Brooklyn Nets at the end of the day, if you are a buyout player, and you have a team to pick from, that's a, a pretty attractive spot because there is a, a lack, the, lack of depth as well, right? Like you can have LaMarcus Aldridge come back from uh, retirement and actually play a pretty prominent, like, and play well, right? Like he, he's g- at least getting a significant opportunity with his play. Uh, so I, I definitely get that. I, I know uh, Chris Fedor of uh, Cleveland.com reported that the Cavs would have interest in Joe Harris if it became available, but also noted at the same time that that seemed unlikely. If I'm any team in the NBA and Brooklyn is offering up Joe Harris, I would be concerned automatically about his medicals. Like that, that would terrify me because what he brings to the table, like how difficult it is to defend those three when you also have Joe Harris. And I mean, if you really want to go even smaller and just go five out with Durant at center with Patty Mills, like that would be damn near impossible. Like uh, the Cavs had issues at times uh, against the Utah Jazz, at least early in that game without their centers because they were going five out. And that's a lot of scrambling for their seven footers, right? Like fighting around the screens and whatnot. And, And that would be something that's pretty damn deadly. Um, but the the one thing that I, I really want to get to uh, and discuss with you, I want to do a little bit of an Eastern Conference respect rankings. So basically, which teams you would want to face the least in the Eastern Conference in a playoff series? Ooh, oh, this is good. Um, oh, should I just go in order? You know, let's 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 break them down one at a time here. So, who, right. what what is the team that you would like to play the least? That'd be Milwaukee, right? It, like it just. Mil- it's Milwaukee for me too. Like it's, it's re- respect for what they've done. Uh, defensive personnel. Like w- when you look at the Cavs as currently constructed, where they rely so heavily on Darius Garland to create for everybody. What Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and, and all their other like collection of arms that they have can do is, is pretty terrifying to me. So you you echo that sentiment. Yes, uh, they have all of the right pieces to make the Nets work, and they have uh, just built-in advantages in terms of their physicality and the way they fly up and down the court. I mean, that that team just, every time they've played the Nets, it looks like they're playing a different sport. Mm. Uh, they're just so fast and athletic, and the passing leap that Giannis has taken this year. Um, He's got like, better, man. He's got whoo! so much better, and it seems like, it seems like Milwaukee is a little bit in that flip the switch mode where they they don't get up for every single game. Like you can tell when they do get up and often when they do get up for games, it seems like they just blow teams the hell out and they're like, well, this wasn't as much of a competition as I thought, but it really does seem like Chris Middleton might be having a little bit of a down year by his standards, but Giannis seems to have taken another step forward in, in his career. Yeah. And they've also barely had their guys together, like just having yeah, their big, big three. So that's that also factors in. I mean, right now they're playing without Drew. Uh, Drew's obviously a huge factor and huge part of what they do. That's another guy that can run pick and roll with Giannis or run two man actions with him along with Chris. So, um, 
yeah, they're 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 going to be a really tough out, and they're they have a built-in identity that, if anything, I think they've added a lot to this offseason just with all the shooting that they brought in. Um, it's tough to deal with. Absolutely. Who who would your number two team be? Uh, my number two team. That's a good question. You know, I'd probably say Miami, um, just because of. They, they're just going to be annoying to play. I think like the bits and pieces that we've <laughs> seen, they're going to be annoying to play. They take it like the way that they play also with how much, and this is like, I know this, of course I'm hitting like a weird random detail, but the way they slip screens and do little things just in terms of their movement going directly to the hoop. I, I think that stuff is really going to hurt the nets. That's where the nets defense has just not been attentive this year. Um, and then defensively, like they profile really well, uh, just in terms of the guys that they can throw out there, uh, even just having somebody like Bam who can switch and mm-hmm. that's your big, like all of a sudden, Hey, we're going to have, if, if the Nets want to run whatever, uh, 70 pick and rolls in a game with Kyrie and, and James Harden, well, then you have Bam as your switch pick. That's exactly <laughs> what you want. Um, it's funny. He, last he looked year. a little rusty offensively against Toronto, but like you can tell like that there were yeah. automatically the flashes there. The, the defense was there and uh, that team went fully healthy. Like I, I, I forget that they still have Oladipo like, Victor Oladipo used to be such an important player in the Eastern Conference and all of a sudden like just complete obscurity and if they can even get like 10% or like 10 20% less of what his like apex was where you know he he's at least giving them valuable minutes in, in a rotation and whatnot that that just adds so much depth and and Tyler Hero's been playing well Kyle Lowry you He's getting older, but he he still gives them exactly kind of what they need. That's that's a dangerous team, and also just the Eric Spolster factor. Like we talked about it on on the podcast uh, last week uh, with the Dunker Spot guys, and I, I was saying that Miami is damn near at the top of my list. Like Carter said that he wanted to play Miami, and with with their length, their experience, like experience matters so much to me when we have these conversations. Yeah. Like for the Cavs, I, I think on paper, like they stack up pretty well like uh they, they have the best net rating in the in the conference uh they <laughs> the best defensive team in the conference like they, they have all these kind of feathers in their cap but at the end of the day like the playoff experience that Kyrie Harden and Durant have that uh Drew Middleton and Giannis have like uh and Miami is just nothing but veterans and experience like that kind of stuff really matters and, and to me like if there's a point in this season and likely in the playoffs that this falls apart for the Cavs it'll likely be because of that inexperience I, I think that's probably going to shine through if it doesn't I would love to be wrong but if I had to make a prediction for where this is going to go that's probably where I, I could see it falling apart and that's a good season like you if you can make the postseason and like get there and just learn certain things about your team it's going to help your front office in terms of building for the future it's going to help your players um, learn what they need to work on. I mean, that's just a good crucible for really just taking that next step and figuring out where to go. Um, yeah. And I, one last thing about Miami, everybody killed their depth in the off season. They have the fourth best bench in terms of just uh, points per game. So they, uh, they, they have, a, they have some depth to them. I think they've had a lot of guys pan out in the classic Miami way. Struce uh, <laughs> has been great. Your yeah. seven is awesome. I, I picked I them know. up in fantasy and I'm, I'm feeling really good about that. <laughs> Like, I, 
I saw people calling him a uh, Turk Nowitzki, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm, in. I, <laughs> I'm with I have that. To pick him up. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So that I, they're they're definitely they're a threat. They're sitting there. They feel like the sleeping giant in a way. Uh, outside of my outside of Milwaukee, uh, which is they're, funny they're to say there. because right now they're they're tied for first in the Eastern Conference, right? <laughs> they're they're tied with Chicago. Uh, they've had guys miss so many games, and uh, as much as I hate the the heat culture stuff and, and I I love everyone that covers the heat they're all ridiculous they're insane yes. but the heat culture stuff can get a little bit annoying there there is something to it and uh, I I think this point was made on, on the mismatch uh, I was listening to uh, Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon but and I, I think this is important for the Cavs too because that's a, a team that they're trying to emulate that culture and whatnot heat culture and, and developing a culture isn't just bringing guys in and getting them to change to whatever your philosophy is it's identifying guys that fit that and i I think for the Cavs, they've actually done a really good job of that as well in the margins finding someone like lamar stevens dean wade uh brandon goodwin like brandon goodwin is giving them really really damn good minutes they don't win that game against brooklyn if brandon goodwin isn't out there uh holding it together when darius garland goes to the bench yeah, I mean, he hit a couple threes. I think he hit one in the first quarter, like right in Bruce Brown's grill. Uh, I'm I'm mad we didn't get Lamar Stevens. I've enjoyed the Lamar Stevens experience. You're, from you're a Lamar fan, eh? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he, so, he's he's been really really good, uh, especially lately. Like. Uh, he's one of those guys that's gone through a slump at, at early in the season and whatnot and, and just kind of fought his way back into the rotation. Uh, he will be out against uh, Chicago tomorrow, which is a really damn exciting uh, matchup with the Cavs only a game and a half back of Chicago. Uh, so I, I assume that means Isaac Okoro continues to start and whatnot. But um, I, I did hear on the Locked on Cavs podcast that it, it's mostly playing it safe. It's precautionary. If it was playoffs, he could play. So hopefully Lamar will be back soon. But... I need to get your answer for who the number three team is in the East. Uh, I feel like I'm supposed to say Chicago. Um, Give me, give me your honest. I I don't want pandering. I don't want anything like that. I I want pure Matt Brooks honesty. Okay. So if Philly is able to do something at the deadline with Simmons, I I'd find them to be, I find them to be a really interesting matchup because the Nets just like, don't have anybody for Embiid. Mm -hmm. I think their best shot right now is Blake Griffin which means, you know, playing Blake Griffin on offense, yep. um, which has been an interesting ride this year. So um, that I think might be my number three. And I, I I don't think they have the firepower by any means, but at the very least they present um, just a player that the Nets don't really have anybody for. Uh, I, 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 I think like Chicago is probably my three B. They're right there really? with them. Okay. So, so I, you aren't all the way out on Chicago. Like I'm not. It's- yeah. yeah, I'm not. I just I'm a little worried, like worried stylistically that it's they just play the same game as the Nets in the postseason. and The Nets are just going to play it better. Like it's just going to be a, <laughs> a mid range offer or whatever. Um, th- granted, they did not have Caruso in, mm-hmm. in the matchup that uh, in the net last Nets Bulls matchup who did a great job against Harden the first time they played. So that's that's a factor. I mean, that just having Lonzo and uh, Caruso in the backcourt is huge for them. I actually think that's why they took a little slide but mm-hmm. i think for now i'm gonna say philly i it might be i don't know how good of i i feel about that take but it's there now so <laughs> I, I i don't know like philly to me and man I, I was a big ben simmons fan uh prior to this season uh obviously the way everything's gone and whatnot like I, i'm not it, it's 
kind of bugged me a little bit. Like I, I, I hate the the fact that you get the report. I, I think it was last week that oh, if you were to be traded, it's just going to take a couple of weeks of uh, reconditioning and whatnot. When they've been playing kind of like the mental health angle, that oh no, you don't have to worry about that if you trade for him. He's just going to be able to get back up there. And I, it just like you want to give people the benefit of the doubt in those situations, especially as myself being someone that's struggled with that quite frequently and uh, is constantly battling and, and working to remain functioning. Uh, it's something that's a little disheartening, but you, you look at a potential Ben Simmons trade and I just don't know what they could bring in that makes me feel like they're a better team than they would have been with Simmons. Yeah. Uh, like I, I understand kind of giving them the tip of the cap because of how well Joel Embiid's playing. Like he is absolutely at an MVP level right now. It, it's just, it's such a weird, weird situation. And now you're getting reports that, hey, they might be waiting until the offseason because there might be a possibility of a James Harden sign and trade, which obviously, like, what, what are your thoughts when you see that kind of reporting and speculation? <laughs> uh, I, I, I buy it. A little bit. I I think there's a, some truth to that. Um, I'll, I'll say that Harden, much. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like Harden, kind of when the trade first went down, there was reporting at the time that he kind of viewed this as a two year thing, right? Like it's almost a little similar to Kyrie going to Boston, where it wasn't. Well, I, that's a little different because it, Boston wasn't on Kyrie's list initially, but you could tell it wasn't maybe necessarily going to be the longest marriage. Like. I, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. Like, if you were going to lose Harden, because uh, he does have that player option after the summer, like, I, that's a very viable option. But I, I, if I was in your shoes, I'd probably be hoping that I could keep him. Yeah, um, I think the idea is, like, you win a championship, and ideally that's, that's what gets him to stay. Um, but, yeah, for now, I mean, it's I just think it's been a little bit of a – turbulent year to, to put it lightly <laughs> yeah um so we haven't I had think... a normal season in a while and and, <laughs> yeah. and you guys went a little extra weird you, you, yeah there's some self-inflicted weird on there as well <laughs> yeah so i think it's been a lot to deal with and uh no i definitely i thought there was some truth to the to that rumor for sure so if chicago is your 3b who's four um, if Chicago's my three B, or I, I guess it would be five. I feel like I think it's probably it's probably the Cavs. I think mm-hmm. Toronto is pretty interesting as well with how Siakam's playing. Um, so it's probably those two in in, in another tie. I guess a virtual tie. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleveland's an interesting matchup for them because in terms of like what what they can do with a having a guy with Garland that can just pull up and and just isn't afraid now of pulling up and any and all opportunities and have elite role guy and in uh, Jared Allen. I think that puts a lot of strain on the Nets pick and roll defense, which is a big, big thing for them. Um, so that's a really big factor for them. Uh, if you look at Toronto, you look at the way that they profile as a defensive team. It's kind of what we were talking about with Milwaukee, where it's just a bunch of limbs and guys that are six, seven, and are just going to muck things up. You can throw out zones. It's not even you can... that they're all six, nine. It's crazy. Yeah. Like that is the longest team. And like, for me, I, looking at the the standings and, and kind of the schedule, the rest of the way, like we we're talking about it. Like, even though some of the teams ahead of the Cavs might be better on paper, the fact that the Cavs have the easiest strength, the schedule uh, 
uh, from here on out, like they're in mm. a really good position to shoot up the standings because uh, their schedule was insanely front loaded, uh, just really, really difficult. And the fact that they've been as good as they are weathering all these injuries and whatnot is impressive. But you look at a team like Toronto and this might be a little bit of a spicy take. I'd probably favor Toronto over Chicago in a playoff series because, as I said, I overvalue experience. And, like, to me, like, Zach Levine, uh, Nick Vucevic, uh, even Lonzo Ball, like, they don't really have that experience going to the playoffs and winning. DeMar DeRozan has a very shaky track record when it comes to the postseason. Yeah. And I, th- I think a lot of Cavs fans won't give him the benefit of the doubt on the postseason for valid reasons. Like, we, we have seen it fall apart in both conferences. Um, Chicago, like as much as I buy them as a regular season team, it kind of feels a little cute story to me. Like I, I, I just in my gut, I don't buy them. Like, I think I would give Toronto, uh, the edge o- over them in the series. I think I'd mm. give Cleveland an edge over them in the series. Um, Philly, it would probably depend on what type of moves they made with the roster and whatnot. But, um, like I, I just don't buy into Chicago and, and that might not be fair, but you know what? Like. It's uh, at the end of the day, it's not that important. It's just a sports take. I've been wrong a billion times. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's interesting you put it that way. Like I, for me, I really value shot creation. And then I also I think point of attack defense is like super, super important and mm. becomes more and more important as we go further and further into this and guys get just better and better at playing pick and roll basketball. So they have those two things. I like that. There are certain things that, as you mentioned, like the experience of uh, Vucevic has been you know, I had a little bit of a down year. So there's things I'm worried about. I think that's why I'm lower on them. Uh, He's been marginalized a little bit, right? Like, yeah, and and that was kind of my concern going this year. I I still think it's probably for the benefit of the team, but it's not dissimilar to what happened with Kevin Love, right? Where you you do have high usage guys that have the ball in their hands and you're just not going to run as much offense through him. So when he is marginalized in that way, it makes me wonder, like, and I'd probably feel differently if they didn't have the injuries that they did. Like I, I'm a big Patrick Williams guy. I think he could have really helped if they end up adding Jeremy Grant. I think that could be a difference maker for them. Uh, but as currently constructed, as much as I like some of the pieces and, and like uh, their players individually, I just worry that they're not going to be better than the sum of their parts come the postseason. Yeah, I could I could see that. Um, I them I, I think it's probably why I have them in Philly in the same category. Like I'm betting that they're both going to make trades and I don't know if that's right. Maybe I'm wrong about Chicago. It seems like they do probably want to hang on to Patrick Williams, but if they don't, if this, they go through this skid and there's like a little bit of panic and it's mm-hmm. like, well, maybe we should, I don't know. Let's just bring in Grant. So um, what you're saying is the Cavs should throw the game on Wednesday against Chicago so that there isn't <laughs> panic. They keep the roster as currently constructed and that way they're a little more fallible come playoffs. I, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I just wanted to make sure that we got that on the record. Uh, I wanted to uh, kind of read the tea leaves there with what you're saying. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But no, so those two <laughs> those two teams are like, in the same way that I gave the Nets an incomplete grade, I'm weirdly giving Philly one uh, and uh, Chicago. And what that means is that neither of these teams are going to make trades. And this this is going to look horrible in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look really dumb. <laughs> So at this point, because you do have incomplete grades in in the Eastern Conference, is it fair to assume that you're kind of still waiting to see before you make a decision on who you think is going to come out of the conference? Or do you still have confidence enough in kind of the the Nets core that they they can make it out? I feel like I I have confidence because they're so talented and it's like you just need 
a couple things to go right. Uh, one main thing to go right. We can we can be honest uh, with yeah. <laughs> with Kyrie's availability, and if that changes and it's just that, I mean, I I think they're the favorite for me, and I wouldn't really think twice about that. Uh, if he's part time, I'm I'd probably lean Milwaukee. Uh, believe mm-hmm. it or not, it's just they've looked so dramatically different at home versus on the road to start this year. Um, they've been about 500 kind of just hanging around that the entire year. Uh, that has only been ex- exasperated recently since they brought back Kyrie. They just feel even more um, lifeless at home, I think is the best way to describe it. So with all that in mind, if that's going to be the situation, then yeah, I, d- I don't know if they're the favorite, if they have Kyrie only half the time. I mean, I- I'm a crazy person. I would like to see, like, my dream scenario for the Cavs right now is to get up to, like, the two seed. I'd like to see them go to the two seed, play someone like Charlotte in the first round, someone that, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can, you get that series win, you feel good about that, and then round two, you get that competition. I'd like to see Cavs versus Nets. I I, I think it would be so interesting. It'd be such a, I would favor the Nets. Maybe, you know, you guys drop to six, you you win uh, with Kyrie on the road, uh, jump up to the the three seed essentially and play the second round series against the Cavs. I'd be really interested to see that. I I think it would be a terrific test uh, for all the young Cavs, for uh, Darius Garland to go head to head with Kyrie, for Mobley to try his best to to gain contain Kevin Durant. We'll see what moves the Cavs make at the deadline. That's obviously an interesting variable, but I I would love to see a test like that because, I mean, reality is if the Cavs do make it a second round, it's not like there's a really good option. Like the Eastern Conference is so damn good and to be up in the standings in in basically the best year that we've seen out of the East in a very long time, I, I think is a real feather in the Cavs cap. Yeah, that would be a great, I mean, we've just sort of seen it, the styles clash, uh, just the way these two teams kind of force each other into uncomfortable situations would be fun. Um, and I, I just, I, I do hope we get that. I, I think, you know, the, I, I could see if, if the Cavs hit the nets early, you know, that might be the way to do it. Maybe the nets come into this and they're like, Oh, whatever, we're playing this young team. This, this should be a piece of cake. We're probably one in four or five kind of similar to how they looked. I think it was against Boston last year in the mm-hmm. first round where they dropped, I think it was game three. That might, I think that was the game they, they dropped uh, where they just didn't bring the intensity. I could see the Nets doing that. And that's where the Cavs can take advantage. If, if the, if the Nets come out a little flat, just because they're like, Oh, whatever we got this just a bunch of young dudes <laughs> <laughs> i just can't believe that these are the conversations we're having a year later I, this uh, is it's so crazy much fun. it is insane to think about that there is a good we'll say good to decent chance well maybe not good to decent we'll say there's a decent chance that the Cavs could finish above the nets in the standings if i had told you that preseason, i'm calling it I now man like, i'm calling it now they're gonna finish above the, the I, next Katie outs if he's out six weeks, they're finishing above, baby. You can't it's... you can't catch up to the schedule. We had the schedule, the first half from hell, and that is over. The, this game against Chicago is basically like the last truly difficult game, uh, at least from a situation standpoint, in, in a while. They they do have to play the Bucks. That's going to be a tough challenge again, but uh things are are looking up for, uh, for the Cavs and, and for Cleveland in general. I'm I'm excited, man. Uh, the Nets have the sixth most difficult schedule remaining. Um, so there's a chance. I mean, th- there's really a case to be made that this could happen. Yep. And, and again, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a reflection on the rosters. It's just Cavs managed to weather the storm through the injuries, through the, the tough games and whatnot. And they're in a real position to move up 
in the Eastern Conference. And, oh, if they can get home court in a series. I, <laughs> it, honestly, if they could win uh, 50 games, uh, I, I would be over the moon because that, that's that's no small feat in, in today's NBA or really in general. I, I mentioned on the last podcast, the, the Wizards haven't uh, won 50 games in over 40 years. So, uh, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate talking to you. Uh, let the Let the audience know what you got going on. Pl- plug your stuff, man. Plug my stuff. Uh, yeah, you can find me Matt Brooks NBA on Twitter. Um, I think you did a great job giving my full byline. Um, but you can uh, <laughs> Re- read reading at- Twitter, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. re- I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at that whole reading thing. It's great. Honestly, I'm about to just read my byline back. No, um, <laughs> you can you can find me on Basketball News. I've been doing a general NBA content for them. All my Nets stuff is found on Nets Daily. I have a podcast, The Clear Out. Uh, it's a Blue Wire podcast podcast. That sounded weird. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, so that's my Nets podcast. Uh, and then I also do some video breakdown stuff. So I it's it's fun. I I splice up clips, narrate them, add a little bit of music, um, and just sort of break down uh, key plays or key players, key games, whatever it is for the Nets. So um, you can find me on YouTube, Matt Brooks NBA as well. So mm-hmm. at the very least, if you don't want to, if you're like, man, I can't remember everything he just said, just follow me on Twitter, Matt Brooks NBA. I I post everything there. Absolutely. And you got some video breakdowns and clips from uh, Cast Nets on there right now. So make sure you guys are giving him a follow, checking that out. And I'm sorry again that we weren't able to go on YouTube. Blame Carter. It's all his fault. But still, <laughs> you can like and subscribe to the Cavs YouTube channel. Uh, click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, you can support us by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs. <laughs>